2: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell, and in the in the spirit of March Madness, we have a special guest joining us. It's Kyle Boone from Pistols Firing blog. You know him well, also from CBS Sports. So, Kyle, um, I imagine this is a very very busy day that uh, you look forward to every single year.
0: Yeah. Uh, good afternoon to you guys. Thanks for having me on the pod, dude. It's been like. Uh, three years, four years since I've been on. So honored to be a guest once again. Really like. I'm surprised what you, guys you came back
2: done. on. I'd be offended if I were you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. What the <laughs> heck? Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> that's I have my bad. We we can take this off the air. How dare you? Um, <laughs> we've ha- we've had a couple golf outings in the last few years, and you guys haven't been able to make it. So that's uh, it's poor planning on our part. But yeah, glad to join you guys. Today's a crazy day. Obviously, the Instaboy tournament starting. Um, it's like a holiday, but it's like a, a working holiday for me. Like, I was up at six this morning prepping for the incident boy tournament. Um, gonna be up late tonight doing the podcast thing and and some video stuff for CBS Sports. But this is the best time of the year for sure. Like, this people legitimately take off work to watch the first and second round of the incident boy tournament. So, um, very fortunate that this is a quote unquote job um because as you guys know like this is it's a joke that I do this for a living.
1: <laughs> uh by the way, I want to set the record straight. I was at the golf outing last summer. We played together. I we just weren't That's on the true. Same we just weren't on the yeah. same team. So maybe it uh it slipped your mind there. But before we get too deep into your bracket, because of course we're gonna want to know who you've got in the final four, who you've got winning. Is it Big Twelve heavy? All that good stuff. Uh yep. Oklahoma State. NIT. Mm. Fun stuff. What a mm. What an entertaining game uh, the other night. against (laughs) The Penguins, Oklahoma State takes 18 minutes, Kyle, to make a three in the first half. They made their first three with two minutes and three seconds left on the clock in the first half. And I kind of just threw my arms up when it went in. I think that game was really emblematic of the entire season and and what this team is. Man, they struggle to shoot the ball. But against (laughs) inferior athletes, they're still going to win. It it just – they out-athleted Youngstown State, but it was – Ugly basketball and poor shooting. It was just seemed like a lot of the same, uh, to, to me from Oklahoma State.
0: Yeah, yeah, Colby, I appreciate you uh mentioning the golf outing. I had tried to rid that from my mind, um, <laughs> and I also appreciate that you did not bring up the the final score there. We'll, we'll just say that we tied. It was it was a good it was a good match. Oh, we, um, we tied. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty much a tie. Um, so yeah, but the Oklahoma State, I mean, just. Emblematic, I think, of the season, but also emblematic of kind of Mike Boynton's tenure. They've never really been a very good three point shooting team. They've always kind of relied on defense and uh, their athleticism, their length. And and I think that's strategic, right? Because if you look at kind of how they've recruited over the years, both out of high school and out of the transfer portal, they they kind of target guys who have a lot of athleticism, guys who may be a little bit more raw, um, maybe not totally finished products, but but know how to play and 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 work within a system on team defense and it works in spurts uh, but it it sure leads to a lot of frustrating watches if you're a Cowboys fan and OSU finishes that game four of 19 shooting from the three-point line it it was it was atrocious I mean it's it's been atrocious the last few years so I did some some researching before this uh, Oklahoma State actually finished first in the Big 12 in, okay. in three in team three-point shooting percentage in 2018-19. Um, they also took more threes per game than anyone else in the Big 12. Since then, they have not finished better than eighth in the Big 12 in three-point shooting percentage. They're ninth in the Big 12 in three-point shooting percentage this season. There's obviously only 12 teams in the Big 12 because, of course. Um, and so it's just... It's just one of those things. I I I actually think that it's a thing that they've been trying to at least address in recruiting. They've tried to recruit shooters, they've tried to recruit guys who can fit into that mold that that make them a little bit more dynamic and less um and less predictable on offense, but for whatever reason I don't know if it's a scheme thing or if it's a personnel thing or what um, they have just kind of always had to fall back on playing good defense, getting to the free throw line, relying on two point shooting and trying to overcome the inability to shoot three. Um, it it makes for very frustrating basketball. And over the last few years, we've seen it doesn't really make for successful basketball. They haven't been in the NCAA tournament in several years. Um, something probably needs to change and I don't know what it is, but I sure would like to watch a more enjoyable product on the basketball court, just personally.
2: Yeah, I would too. And I think I think you laid that out really well. It reminds me a lot of, you know, covering the Thunder kind of over the years, even when they've drafted well, they've always taken flyers on guys who are raw, athletic, and yep. they just kind of think they'll figure it out offensively. And I think I think Mike Boynton's kind of running into some similar problems the Thunder have with those types of prospects. Obviously they've changed They've changed their mold. They want playmakers on the Thunder that can do a lot of things with the ball in their hands. Uh, do you think, you know, Mike Boynton, his finishes in the Big 12, T6, 9th, t seventh 5th, 5th, and then 7th this year. Um, he he has to change his philosophy in terms of getting more shooting, doesn't he? Or he, He's going to be out of a job, Colby, he, or uh, Kyle. He was really honest about the decision Chad Weiberg is going to have to make unless he makes things easier on him. Doesn't he have to change his philosophy?
0: I, I think to some extent, yes. Um, it's so weird because if you look at like the totality of Boynton's tenure, I I think he has to do better, right? Like, there's no excuse for for making only one NCAA tournament at Oklahoma State in in this span that he's been the head coach. Um, to me, there's no excuse not being able to consistently be a top three or four team in the big 12, just based on resources, history, uh recruiting pool. Um, and yet like, I have a million excuses for why Boynton has not completely lit it up. I mean, you go back to taking over whenever he was the, the hired as the head coach. I mean, he was hired basically because Brad Underwood decided he wanted to go to Illinois and no one really knew who Mike Boynton was. Um, Lamont Evans was uh, was moved to associate head coach for for Boynton and he was like almost immediately implicated in the FBI scandal and fired. They go 18-14 in 2019-20. Um, beat Iowa State in the in the Big 12 first round, potentially on the cusp of getting to the NCAA tournament. Then COVID happens, the season is canceled. Uh, the next year they go 21-9 with with Cade get bounced by just completely random Oregon State team that got hot. Next year, they get the, the postseason ban. They don't go to the Big 12 tournament. They don't go to the NCAA tournament. They're 15 and 15. I, there wasn't really a lot of motivation that season. And this year, the first, they're the first team out of the bracket. So, you know, to some extent, I, I think there is pressure for Boyton. He has to be better. You can't leave your fate up to the selection committee going into selection Sunday and hope that you're not the last team out. Like maybe your outlook changes a little bit if you're one of the first four teams in but like does it really i mean like at oklahoma state i th- i think you have to expect to be better than this you have you have to be pushing for a 3 seed a 4 seed a 5 seed um kansas state's a 3 seed this year like that's that's uh that's pretty reasonable to expect from from oklahoma state so I don't know. This this That's a long way of saying like, I I think that Boynton has a lot of built-in excuses and they're legitimate, but also at the same time, he has to have more success. Otherwise this thing's not going to work. And I don't know if that scheme changes. I don't know if he's going to have to change how he recruits, uh, how he plays, how he coaches. Something has to change to consistently be in the top half of the big 12. And I hope it happens. Um, I feel like he's got the personnel on the way to potentially make a run next year and and be better, be in the NCAA tournament. But look, I thought I thought they would be good enough to be in the NCAA tournament this year. They were they were really close to it, obviously, but they they did not. You know, they struggled down the stretch. They didn't have the resume to get in. So uh, next year, next year for sure is going to be kind of a make or break year, I think, for for Mike Boynton and for Oklahoma State. You don't get in the NCAA tournament next year. Um, excuses, I think valid or not, um, that, that might be it for Boynton.
1: Yeah. Next year's a big one, obviously, but I look at this team and Kyle, you love the length and athleticism. I love a a six, seven guy on the wing with a seven, two wingspan, as much as the next guy wreaking havoc, doing all that stuff. But I mean, at some point where's the Phil Forte, where's Keaton page? Like, I love a six, seven guy with a seven, two wingspan who can play defense, who can, you know, be be a contester at the rim, all that good stuff. Where's the, the 5'11 guy who can just stand 25 feet from the basket and fill it up? Like, Oklahoma State <laughs> has had those guys, and you can make it work defensively with those guys. No, they're, they're not all going to be Keon Williams as a true freshman physically, defensively, right. stuff like that. They're, they're not all going to be Matthew Alexander Moncrief who, who comes in. He's this big, long guy. But, man, if you could just find a 5'11 guy who can fill it up, that's a formula that we've seen work at Oklahoma State. It, it just seems – To me, Kyle, like it's become all length and athleticism and no shooting and length and athleticism is great. But if all these six, seven guys with seven foot wingspans can't shoot, then yes, I do think it's going to have to be a fundamental change from Mike Boynton on who he brings in because you, you just, you have to have the guy who can stand there with a defender in his hip, 25 feet from the pocket that the defense is always thinking about. And I don't know that Oklahoma State's had that guy since Phil Forte.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's absolutely right. And and I hear that and I totally agree with it. And yet at the same time you look at what they've done in the past like they bought it they brought in Farron Flavors, uh, a transfer who statistically rated like as one of the best spot-up shooters in college basketball. Now he did it at a lower level. He did it at Cal Baptist and and made the leap to Oklahoma State. Did not work at all. They they, they thought he would be like a sharp shooter next to Cade Cunningham. Turned out he he could not quite translate those skills to the high major level. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the recruiting, too. Like they they landed a, a four star recruit from within the state, Bixby, uh, Parker Fredrickson, who uh, committed to the school. He's six foot threes from Bixby. Great shooter. He ends up decommitting, going somewhere else. He's not currently committed. Don't think he's coming to Oklahoma State. Um, they've got a, a recruit coming in for next year, Connor Dow from broken arrow, who's six foot five, really good shooter, really good scorer. I'm really excited about him. Um, so I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where like, for whatever reason, they, they just have not been able to figure out a Thomas DeZagwa or a Phil Forte or someone who can spot up and, and create shots on the perimeter and, and shoot the three point shot. Um, and because of that, they've had to change the way they play offense, which is not a lot of three-pointers, a lot of two-pointers. They're, they're pushing things inside the arc. That is really just not how basketball is being played and won right now. I mean, some of the best teams over the last few years have been among the best in three-point shooting percentage and also among the most consistent high-volume three-point shooting teams too. You look at Baylor a few years ago won the national championship. They were, I think a top five team in three point shooting percentage, maybe number one, uh, their offense was definitely the best in college basketball that year, but they, they shot a lot of threes as well. They had the personnel with, with the guards and wings. They had linked, they had kind of everything working and maybe it's just Oklahoma state has one or two missing pieces from being, you know, like going from a 19 win team to a 25 win team. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not like a personnel guy, but Something is missing from this program that that just has not completely clicked for offense, basically under Boynton since he took over. It's very frustrating.
2: Well, I wanted to ask you about the program before we get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, the, the narrative going around right now, I hear it on local sports talk radio, things of that nature is, look, Oklahoma State's essentially had two coaches in Coach Henry Iba and Eddie Sutton. Past that, they've done virtually nothing. In terms of nationally, or even really in their own conference, you know, now that you've worked for CBS for so long, and you you your constituents are are way more focused on the national scene, what sense do you get? Just since you've covered the sport at a more national level, just what what type of job is Oklahoma State? We we've, we've debated it over the years, um, but the the evidence is really starting to mount, Kyle. That maybe Oklahoma State the basketball program just isn't what you know Eddie. And, and Coach Iba kind of magically turned it into themselves. Uh, I'm starting to really question it more than I really ever have, to be honest. And I was curious to get your kind of national perspective on that.
0: Yeah, let's go through it. I mean, in the Big 12 hierarchy, Kansas is, is above Oklahoma State. Texas, resources, blue blood, uh, borderline blue blood above Oklahoma State. Baylor has clearly jumped up a tier. Number four, like... Who do you put at number four in the big 12? Like Kansas state should, should be there. Oklahoma state, like Uh, Oklahoma's
2: last five coaches have all gone to the elite eight. Obviously we'll see what Porter Moser does, but I mean, it's kind of shocking to look at Oklahoma's resume over the decades. And they're, I think you can make an argument. They're number two in the big 12.
0: And yet Oklahoma is like not investing any resources in its program. (laughs) They have a terrible arena, (laughs) Uh, Mosier, like, I'm, I think he's a good coach, but like, it hasn't totally clicked. They were not good at all this season. Um, and he's been linked to a number of jobs. Like, wouldn't be surprised if he's like looking for an out, you have to be successful early. Um, and if not, you're like on the, on the hot seat, like pretty quickly at this level. So, I mean, I I think you could put OU up there pretty reasonably, but I, I think like the history, the resources, the venue, like everything. Oklahoma State should be four or five, depending on how you view it. I mean, they're clearly above TCU, clearly above Texas Tech, clearly above Iowa State to me, um, clearly above West Virginia. So they're a top half of the Big 12 program. Um, But if you kind of extrapolate that out, I mean, that's like... It's not a top 10 national program. And I think that's probably how people may view Oklahoma state, because you think of Oklahoma state, you think of the glory years under Eddie Sutton, you think of the final fours, you think of all the success they had um, late nineties, early two thousands. It just, they've not been successful the last two decades. Uh, They've been passed over in their, in their own conference by a lot of teams that have made the leap. Baylor has, has been consistently one of the best programs in college basketball the last decade under Scott drew, so it's it's tough. It, I I think it's very reasonable to expect more as an Oklahoma State fan, but I think it it should also be noted that you have to have some sort of tempered mindset with this program too. That like this is every once in a while you're going to compete and you should expect to make an NCAA tournament run, but realistically, like maybe this isn't a program anymore where. They should be in the NCAA tournament every year. I don't know. Maybe and maybe that's maybe that's lowering expectations too much. I don't know what you guys think, but it's uh I don't know. I don't I don't know what to to make of it anymore because I think they've they've failed to to find success frequently so often of late that it's just like where where do you put the expectations now? It's just there's no frame of reference outside of the Sutton years where everything was completely amazing and then uh, the the one brad underwood year where things were like awesome and then things have pretty much imploded since
1: uh yeah no that's a lot of good points it's it's hard for a fan base to reset expectations i do think those expectations need to be less than what they were under eddie but i don't i don't think those expectations are you know first team out one seed in the nit let's Let's go beat Eastern Washington on Sunday. That's that's not fun for just about <laughs> anybody. So, uh, Kyle, let's go ahead while we've got you and transition to the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma State, okay. far, but still a lot of fun every year. I'm looking forward to it. I always tell myself I'm going to be disciplined and I'm just going to fill out one bracket, just put it in my small little pools. And per the usual, I am in about nine pools and I'm a few hundred dollars deep on, on betting on the <laughs> NCAA tournament. I want to know how deep you go in terms of how many brackets do you fill out? How many other pools are you in? How deep do you go on NCAA tournament? That's so hilarious
0: that you say that. Um That's exactly like me when it comes to fantasy football. Um, Like every year I'm like, okay, I'm going to do my, you know, my one college friend league and maybe I'll do a pistols firing league and, you know, we'll see what happens. And then last <laughs> year, Legitimately, I was in like 16 fantasy leagues, and that doesn't include like dynasty leagues um, that are like year round and and you have draft picks and all that stuff. So like, it's insane. I, I can't say no. That being said, I can definitely say no to bracket stuff, because I have to do the bracket for CBS, like, pretty much as soon as it drops, I have to like call and be like make my picks to the guy who then like inputs it into the CBS backend. I don't understand how it works, but I don't make any changes because like everyone sees my picks as soon as they're made. So if I make changes, it looks like I'm being shady. So I only have one bracket. Um, (laughs) now I help my daughter make a bracket and my wife made a bracket and we have like a in-house competition, but yeah, like I don't, I don't do like the, the pools thing. I, I don't, spend any money to, to do contests. I think people just know now that like, I probably just won't get back to you. Cause I don't have time uh, this time of year. Um, but I, I it, it pleases my soul that, that you're very active and engaged in this Colby. I hope that you did not <laughs> rip my picks because I guarantee you, you're not going to finish first in your bracket pool this year.
2: <laughs> I'm curious, how much more educated do you feel do you feel now that you're filling out a bracket? Cause you know, you feel you've been filling out brackets. I'm sure most of your life. Do you have like this, like, do you feel like, wow, I actually know way more about this seven seed than I ever would have known prior to this. Are you finding yourself doing that when you're filling this out?
0: So Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, a lot. honestly, like, I can't remember who said this, but basically like in, in, in college basketball, I'd say like, 80% of your time and effort and energy and, and coverage is devoted to like 5% of teams at the top of the sport. So like, I'm very much aware of every team that's in the NCAA tournament, but I will fully admit, like I didn't watch Kennesaw state play one game this season. They're the 14 <laughs> seed in the Midwest. Like there are just games. Like I don't have the capacity to watch every single team. There's 360 something division one teams in college basketball. So like, I, I just do not have the energy or the resources to be knowledgeable about all that, but I probably have more knowledge than, than most people. And I would argue probably that it is, it works against me because I'm thinking like, Oh, number seven seed Missouri gets Utah state in round one. Like, mm, I remember when Utah state went on the road and, and lost by 16 points. I don't like them in that spot. And I'm like, well, that was like three months ago and I watched him for like <laughs> 16 minutes, you know? So like, I actually think too much knowledge actually works in your favor or works against your favor, like more frequently than, than, uh, than for it. Um, I did a, a bracket presentation earlier this week and I, I presented my qualifications that I finished first in the CBS bracket pool twice with like everyone at CBS. I've also finished dead last twice since I joined CBS in 2016. So like it's, it's, It's luck. I mean, it really is luck. Sometimes it's about knowledge, maybe more frequently than not. But if you don't get the right title picks right, or you pick your wrong Cinderella's um, and and pick them to go too far, like you're screwed. So that's what makes March Madness so fun. It's like, who the heck knows? Like you can watch college basketball all season long and still just your bracket's going to be in pieces by the end of the first round.
1: Yeah, absolutely it is. Uh, all right, let's get a, a feel for your bracket here. How big 12 heavy are you? Give us your final four. Give us your champion. Mm,
0: decently big 12 heavy. Uh, I've got Kansas going all the way to the final four. Number one seed in the West. Kansas won the national title last year. Bill Self's not going to coach, at least the first round. So that's a, a wrinkle that I did not account for. Will be interesting to see if if they can overcome that. Um, but I, I, I like their chances of going to the final four. I have them facing Houston in uh, in that in that finale there in that region would be really interesting. I actually have Houston winning it all. On the other side of the bracket, I have number one overall seed, Alabama, going to the final four. Chalky, chalky, I know. So three number one <laughs> seeds in my final four. But I have Duke, uh, which is a number five seed emerging out of the East region to go to the final four. They lose to Alabama in the final four. Um I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm I'm fading number one seed Purdue just personally, which again, I probably know too much and, and have overthought this way too many times, but they get probably a, an FAU team that has won like 31 games in the second round, just a terrible matchup. Um, and Purdue's been outscored in the second half, like 15 of its last 17 games or something. So
2: I always um, fade Purdue fade the big 10. Absolutely. Yeah. I, big I, 10 I, stinks.
0: I, I,
1: I picked Purdue to beat Houston in the natty, so.
0: Mmm. Mm. Well, I like, I like your pick.
1: I like your title pick. Um, uh, By the way, I, I just have a quick question. Why do you yeah. hate Oral Roberts? I'll take it off the air. Mmm.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, not a fan of the Golden Eagles. Uh, it's the praying hands for me. It's the praying hands. No, I don't. <laughs> I like Oral. Uh, uh, but I do have them losing the first round. Yeah.
2: Well, Kyle, we really appreciate it. We've taken up far too much of your time. Uh, Real quick before we get out of here, uh, OSU going to win it all in the NIT? they going to make a magical run and cut down Mm -hmm. some
0: nets. (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah. Not with that offense, right? (laughs) No. And the NIT is so like, so unpredictable too. Like March Madness in the NCAA tournament is, is unpredictable, but like the NITs, like, I'm pretty sure that one of the number one seeds already went out. Uh, Two Um, of
2: them, two of them already out.
0: Two of them already went out. So yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think OSU is going to be motivated, but are they motivated enough to, to win it all? Like, I don't know, probably not. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'll be rooting for him, and I'm hoping we'll see some more threes, some better offense, and and some adjustments, some momentum going into the off season.
2: Well, Kyle, we really appreciate it. We'll have to have you on uh, sooner than in three years from now, and we'll get you on some uh, some football pods and get your Mike Gundy takes out in the out in the ether.
0: Oh, oh yeah, we need it. We need it. I look forward to it. it sounds good with me. I right, do appreciate it. Okay, we'll see you guys.
2: That's Kyle Boone, Colby Powell. It's good hearing from Kyle. I mean, uh, I, that's that's my bad. I, I take ownership of the, the three-year gap between podcast appearances. That's on me. I, I own that. I might give myself a BB.
1: <laughs> we do need a little more Kyle Boone. And uh, yeah, his, his picks have me a little nervous. He says that Purdue's going to lose to Florida Atlantic in the second round. That would be very bad for me.
2: I got him losing to Memphis in the second round. So I'm, totally. I'm right there with him. And I okay. think that FAU-Memphis game is going to be one of the best games in the first round, so I think whoever wins that. I just, Purdue has, and part of this is my Big Ten bias, I fully admit that, but part of it's Purdue seemingly goes out early with a high seed most years. I mean, how many times have they been a two seed and lost in the second round or third round? I mean, they they never quite under Matt Painter have ever made a, a true, real run, it doesn't seem like.
1: You're not wrong. Uh, I watched very little basketball outside the Big 12 this year. Almost. Oh, me either. I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen Purdue play this year. Here's my rationale. Um, I follow this guy on Twitter. I can't even remember who it is. It's just one of these things that comes across my timeline. One of these big betting guys that has all these models and throws in all these models. I went and looked at his model. Purdue was the number one team in his model. I'm like, Hey, number one team in his model. Number one team all all year. I'll defer to somebody else who's smarter than I am. I went with Purdue and I fully expect to get my heart broken early, maybe before this weekend.
2: Yeah, I hope you do. Cause again, I got him going out early. Um, you want to get to bullets and BBs or you want to discuss our, uh, instilled by tournament
1: picks? Uh, we can do bullets and BBs. I'm going to give my bullet, Carson, to Keon Williams. Keon Williams played really well the other night. You always wonder what the motivation level is uh, for a team like Oklahoma State. First team out of the tournament. Now you're in the NIT. You've got to go on the road because of some of the, you know, um, logistical challenges of getting that game played in Stillwater. And Keon Williams as a freshman, I think, brought that team back to life when they were behind and needed to make a run. It, it seemed to me like – some of the guys were motivated to be there and some weren't. And Keon Williams clearly was as a freshman. And I thought that he really kind of brought the team back to life and led that comeback in the second half uh, with his energy, his rebounding. Tyreek Smith did a lot of that same stuff as well. So got to give him credit. But Keon Williams, the freshman, not a lot of playing time this year. Got some on, on what was that, Tuesday night and made the most of it.
2: That's a good one. I, I've got some more historical bullets and BBs for you. My my bullet is going to go to big country Bryant Reeves. Uh Sports Animal guys, Jim Traber and Al Eshbeck, were just talking about big country randomly, and I was driving around, uh, driving home from work, and they were kind of going over the the bigs that he had beaten that tournament run 1995 to the Final Four. We all remember he beat Tim Duncan and Marcus Camby, uh, but he also beat Antonio McDice. and they were discussing that, and the guys had kind of forgotten that in the first round, he beat another NBA big. He beat Malik Rose. So literally four straight rounds. Big country beat up and dominated, really, an NBA big, one of which is a first ballot Hall of Famer in Tim Duncan. It's one of the most remarkable runs an individual player's ever had. It doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, People think he was a stiff in the NBA. That's not true. Go back and look at his numbers. That's how he got that massive contract with the Grizzlies. Uh, The back injury derailed his career. But there's a clip of Shaquille O'Neal that I've tweeted out multiple times, Shaq was asked who that was the toughest to defend, he called out Big Country Bryant-Reeves. He's like, he just would pull me out of the paint and just shoot over my head all day long. Uh, big Country is not talked about enough as one of the all-time great college basketball players ever, any era. And that run he made in 95, I, I challenge any player to face one-on-one competition and and win every single round going to the Final Four in the way he did. And so it's an it's an important reminder and bullet for for big country he was he was out of this world
1: yeah that's a good one that's a great one he does not get talked about enough I think it's just because he's just always been so unassuming right he he just he's just big country and uh yeah he does not get talked about nearly enough Carson I am going to use my BB to reiterate what I said last week I love me some friend for Sheila That broadcast last week, the Bedlam broadcast of the Big 12 championship, I mean, I would have to go back and count how many times they reassured Oklahoma State fans that Oklahoma State was, in fact, in the tournament. You just win the Bedlam game, you're in the tournament. They said it over and over and over again. I mean... That they must have been hoarse after that game from the number of times that they said that Oklahoma State was in the tournament with the win over Oklahoma. And I just think that that is absolutely reckless from a broadcast on that platform of that magnitude when talking about the NCAA tournament. I think that is so, so reckless to sit there and say, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. And and basically, you're just, you're guessing, but you're saying it with, with such an absolutist mentality. You're You're just... It's like they locked it in, and it didn't make sense to me at the time. It doesn't make any sense to me now, and I think it gave the fan base a bunch of false hope uh, that that really – People who were looking at it and kind of knew what was going on are saying, "What? What are you talking about here? That they're in. They might need to win one, one more, depending on what happens around them." Uh, Arizona State beats USC in the Pac-12 tournament, and boom, they're out. So I'm just, I'm giving another BB, a second BB. I'm going back to the well for the broadcast team last week, who I thought was very reckless in their speculation of who would and would not make the NCAA tournament.
2: Yeah, I think that's certainly fair. Um, yeah, I, I certainly think that's fair. Uh, my BB. Is also an historic uh, March Madness-related BB. This picture came across my timeline, and I about launched my computer across the room. Do you have any idea what I'm referring to? Have you been monitoring my tweets?
1: No, I was in Colorado for five days, and yesterday we were playing catch-up. I haven't seen anything. Enlighten me.
2: It was a picture of one fellow man named Luke Shinsher. Does that name ring a bell?
1: not even a little bit
2: does a napoleon dynamite looking 7-1 center stiff from georgia tech ring any bells
1: i'm with you now yeah we're on the same page
2: this guy for people don't know who i'm referencing luke shincher center for georgia tech 7-1 absolute stiff career averages seven points per game uh went up against oklahoma state in the final four and had 19 points 12 rebounds What was the shooting percentage? Shot 70% from the field. Just an absolute embodiment of Squinky. If Squinky came to life and came down to earth and we could physically see him, it would be this guy, Luke Shinsher, who I've been cussing ever since April or wait. Yeah, April 3rd, 2004 is when this game occurred. He didn't score 19 points, Colby, the entire season in a game. That was his season high. Maybe even a career high. And he gets a BB from me because I, I literally anytime I forget about the guy, he pops up in my feed and I get I get angry all over again. So BB for him.
1: Yeah. And if you don't feel like trying to pronounce Shincher, just call him Squinky.
2: Yep. Luke Napoleon Squinky.
1: Uh yeah, I like that one. I did actually uh see that tweet the other day, It it slipped my mind, and I didn't recognize the name on it. But yes, I did see you tweeting about him, and it brought back some some pretty bad childhood memories for me because that oh. Oklahoma State team. Um, I was very invested as I think an 11 year old in that Oklahoma State team, and was heartbroken whenever it came undone that night.
2: I uh, was a freshman in college. You could hear a pin drop throughout the entire campus when that final buzzer hit. I mean, it was like it was like a funeral procession had gone through town and everyone was just, just dead silent. It it was, um, and it was the exact opposite when they beat St. Joe's and hit that late shot, which the the streets were just completely full. It was insane. But they had every chance to win that game. They were, they were a better team than Georgia tech that year. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: We both Carson as freshmen at Oklahoma state lived through pretty traumatic sports days. You lived through the Georgia tech. Uh, debacle as a freshman at Oklahoma State, and I was a freshman at Oklahoma State in the fall of 2011. Uh, when Coach Budkey and others lost their lives in the plane crash, and then Oklahoma State went to Ames and lost the football game on the same day. So, uh, man, we both have some heartbreakers as freshmen in Stillwater.
2: Well, in the irony, the guy who hit, yeah, I mean, phew, 2011 was bad.
1: It was they, bad. It was th- the the, the bad guy. I mean, it was nobody was talking. It was cold. It was rainy, and it was. Ugh, it it yeah. felt like a zombie movie on campus that day.
2: Yeah. Uh, Will Bynum from Georgia Tech hit the game-winning shot, and he was actually committed to Oklahoma State. He was boys with Tony Allen. They're both from Chicago. And while that that's pretty ironic that if he had come to Oklahoma State, uh, she probably doesn't get John Lucas. So it, it, it worked out. It's just the irony that Will Bynum is the one that hit the shot to knock them out of the Final Four. Uh, it's just kind of a crazy set of coincidences, and none more crazier than Luke Schinscher having a career night and never to be heard from again.
1: Yeah. No, that, uh, that's a tough one. What, uh, what's your bracket looking like? Big 12 heavy. Obviously I already revealed my team okay, yeah. over Houston in the natty. My other two final four teams, I've got Creighton coming out of the top left and I've got St. Mary's coming out of, I believe the bottom right.
2: Ooh, wow. You got some craziness in there.
1: A little bit. Yeah. A little bit.
2: Um, my final four picks. I, so I've never done well on brackets cause I just kind of picked the teams. I, 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 I focus on Big 12 teams. I didn't like the seating of the Big 12 this year. None of it. I thought your boys TCU got completely hosed. They put Iowa State and Texas in the same quadrant. Um, Baylor and Kansas State were seated pretty properly, but don't really like their draws. Um, So I I decided to do it a little differently this year. I don't know if folks are familiar with the guy named Rick Rungood, Rick Gaiman. Oh, yeah, I follow Rick. He hosts the First Cut podcast with our, our friend Kyle Porter. He does a video every year, and he shows you the the odds for each team to advance each round with 538s projections with combined with ESPN's picks. You know, ESPN shows you who's picked who and how often, the percentages. And he just plays a game of math. Like, like you know, in daily fantasy, you want to own a guy that's lesser owned to get leverage. So he just goes through leverage. And I mirrored a lot of his leverage picks. So I've got Houston – uh, who somehow were the highest leverage team, even though they're the favorite, um, and Gonzaga. And I've got Creighton, just like you. And I've got Tennessee. Now, Tennessee's injury. There's a guy at my office who's a Tennessee fan. He said that's a bad pick, but the leverage says that. So, we'll his bracket, Rick Gaiman's bracket finished in the 99th percentile last year by doing this. He doesn't watch any college basketball. He, it's strictly a math problem. So, we'll we'll see if my math equation works out. But I got Houston over... Creighton for the national championship. Kelvin Sampson cutting the nets down would be a uh, kind of twist the knife for OSU fans even more as far as where the basketball program is.
1: Yeah, no doubt that. Uh, that is a lot of math to fill out a bracket. I like the way my wife filled out her bracket, which was at 1030 last night in bed. I got it all pulled up for, from, for her on the computer and she was done in about three minutes. I think that is the most healthy relationship with the brackets because it is all random. Uh, now I did get in a couple of other fun pool. So I'm in one, uh, a squares pool, which I think you actually sent me. Are you in the squares pool? Yep. I am. Okay. What are your numbers on the squares for people not familiar with how the squares work? One team is assigned to the X-axis. One team is assigned to the Y-axis. If the final score, the final digit of each team's score matches your numbers, you win that game for the squares.
2: I'm uh three for the loser and one for the winner.
1: Three okay. One. I am two and nine. So I'm hoping for like some 72-69 type games would be perfect for me. I like
2: three and one. Those are odds of three-pointers.
1: Yeah, yeah, those are good. Those are good. Uh, Another couple. I'm in one where you pick four teams. You pick one team from each region, and the total number of seeds of all four of your teams has to add up to 27 or more. And then every time one of your teams wins, you get a point. Most points at the end of the tournament wins. That's kind of a fun one. I'm also in one called Eight is Enough, You pick any eight teams before the tournament starts. Anytime one of your teams wins, you get the corresponding number of points as its seed. So if you pick Kansas and Kansas wins, you get one point. If you pick Oral Roberts and Oral Roberts wins, you get 12 points. And it goes all the way throughout the tournament. You pick eight teams. I picked a lot of high seeds in that, just hoping for some upsets. But uh, I am fully invested in March Madness. My daughter is actually going to see grandma for a couple of days up in Tulsa. So I'm going to go full bachelor dad. I've got the three TVs in the living room. I think I'm going to wheel another one in. And I am just going to watch an insane amount of basketball.
2: I love that. Um... So, like, if you get like a ten seed that gets hot, you are gonna win the whole pool, basically.
1: Yeah, I did. I did one entry. Uh, I, I do. I have three entries in each of those, and I did one entry that was like just the ten and eleven seeds. I did one ent- entry that was just the eleven and twelves, and one entry that was just all the twelves and thirteens. So, I am just hoping the like ten through thirteen seeds just wreak havoc on the entire tournament. Uh, if they do, I'll be in in business in that pool.
2: I'm in one that is my favorite of the year. It's just a survivor pool. You pick two teams on day one, and if they both win, you move on to day two, and you only have to pick – uh or you pick two teams on day two, and if you get all four right, you only have to pick one each day moving forward. It's been really, really fun. Um, it's really cool, and you can buy back in, but you have to pick four teams instead of two. So you kind of – you don't want to buy back in too much, then you're having to – you're eliminating too many teams – And your one and done picks. So it's it's a very 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 fun pool, and it's 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 to me it's way more fun than a bracket because I can just pick out two teams that I like and kind of play some. Because there's always you know a really I got a really popular team today is going to be Texas A and M since they're favored as a seven. There's so many years where like the most picked team gets upset in the first round and knocks out like literally like there's one year that that the pool didn't last past a day. Like two of the main teams got got knocked out and then the guys that were left just split it
1: so it's, uh yeah, it's a fun pool that was a lot of fun i did a survivor pool last year i didn't do it this year because i've just been scatterbrained since i got a uh a real job and had a baby and i know i know that i'll forget to go in and pick one day and then i'll be mad and just throw my money away so for that reason i decided not to do it but uh march madness full effect carson uh did we miss anything i we missed baseball absolutely putting a slacking on Dallas Baptist the other day. Uh, and the girls, the girls play Miami on Saturday, a little eight, nine matchup would be nice to uh, get a tournament win on that side.
2: Yeah. I would like to see the women at least get a win in the NCAA tournament. It's been too long for the men. Um, not enough success there. I'll just, I'll just leave it with, with you on this, Colby. I just, I think this year, this is not the NCAA tournament you and I have followed our whole lives in terms of, You know, everyone picks a lot of upsets, but it's mostly chalk. I think the chalk has largely been mitigated with the way this sport has gone. You know, back when we were kids, Colby, the one seeds had four or five dudes that were going to get drafted. They were just, you know, North Carolina, Duke. They had four guys that were going to get picked in the first round. Um, That's just not the case anymore. So I I really think we're going to see some high seeds advance this year. I don't think it's going to look like a traditional... NCAA tournament because the sport has changed so much I I really truly believe that now now watch every one seed make it to the final four but that's my that's my prediction
1: uh yeah that's a good one I I don't think you're necessarily wrong there I I don't even know I just think the NCAA tournament is so random it's single elimination you've got teams that have a lot of expectations with a lot to lose you've got other teams that have no expectations go out and play free and we see some upsets uh by the way a little more on the women's side they play Miami On Saturday, if they win that game, the one seed that they would get is Indiana. Indiana, very good uh, women's basketball team, but they have lost two of their last three to Iowa and Ohio State. Um, So not a traditional juggernaut you're you're not facing south carolina if you lose or pardon me if you win the eight nine game on the women's side so uh hopefully they can get through miami and then you never know don't see a lot of uh one seeds go down on the women's side in particular uh, in the first weekend but you never know just get out of the first round and you, you don't have south carolina you don't have uh one of the traditional powers you get indiana you never know if oklahoma state could win a game or two on the women's side uh that would be big 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 time
2: yep i agree colby this was fun uh I'm going to be rooting against your Purdue boys in the Big Ten.
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't blame you. I fortunately am in enough pools where however it breaks out, I think I'm going to be okay. So uh, (laughs) I I almost kind of hedged by getting in so many pools because now I'm rooting for almost (laughs) every team in the tournament.
2: You don't even know what to root for at this point. I love it. Uh, Colby, it's been fun, um, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week.
1: Absolutely. Everybody going up to uh, Stillwater this weekend. Baseball, basketball, all of it. Be safe. Have fun. As always, go Pokes.